in the foul. Hey, Austin, my grandma in my house. Hey, man, I was from Madison Middle School, graduate, could have been trafficking, but I would rather. Better than my uncle had in my head to the sky like a Jesse White Buffalo. Yeah, hey, hey, what's that nigga go crazy? What's that nigga go crazy? What's that nigga go crazy? Oh, and I'm from the part of the city that they don't be talking about. Austin, my grandma, my house. All right, we are back live in Greenwood. What's going on, guys? How are you living? I'm doing pretty well. How about you, Gabe? I'm doing okay. Yeah, thank you for having me over. Uh, happy to be here. Pleasure to have you, man, in the fancy million-dollar studios that we built on top of this building here in downtown Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you taking the elevator and you know vip treatment all the way yeah. oh heck yeah that's how we roll uh that's how we are living and Chaz, how are you living uh pretty good um i guess let me see what what's going on today kind of had like a stream of consciousness today on facebook where i was just talking about things and retorting uh, and things that people were saying, but it it's just been a pretty run of the mill day for me, honestly. Well, uh what about you over there, Gabe? How uh how are you living? You're uh, our, you're our guest uh of honor. You're in the uh the sports arena, I hear. I am. Um I'm editor for a sports website. Uh I'll give it a little plug, sportsonearth.com and uh we're sort of a essay analysis and news site. We do we do po some podcasts as well, um, and it's mostly you know just what's going on in the sports world. Obviously, it was a busy week with the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, yeah, congratulations! We were talking about that. Mutter yeah. mutter to the uh, the New England Patriots. <laughs> mutter mutter. <laughs> uh, the evil empire continues to build the uh, Death Star as usual. So it's okay, you know. Uh, I'm glad for the city of Boston. They they love them. So you know. And yeah. parts of New England. They, um, <laughs> I used to live in, in the Boston area. I went to school up there, and they never really seem happy with success. Right. Um, you know, they, they feel aggrieved. It, uh, and we wrote about this, too, sort of in relation a little bit to our political environment, um, how certain fans or groupthink, if you want, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's in sports or politics, you know, you pick sides. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. And there is this sense that it's the world against you. And we saw that a little bit with the Patriots, of course, because they thought they were getting screwed over by the league, uh, over Deflategate and all that nonsense. Oh, um, so their fans seemed pretty intense about getting revenge and that, you know, the whole, whole world wanted them to lose. So that gives them motivation, of course. Right. Um, and, and it gives them a sense of, uh, you and, know. And their partnership as well as being uh, the, 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 the Brady-Belichick team that they are. Right. You know, that they, uh, they continue to, to win. And it didn't help that uh, Tom Brady had a Make America Great hat in his locker. Oh, yeah. At one point. Um, <clears throat> and they, they kept asking him about his relationship with Donald Trump. Same with Bill Belichick. In fact, uh, just a couple of days before the election, um, Belichick 
supposedly wrote Donald Trump a letter that Trump read in New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Crowd, to a crowd of cheers. And the letter sounded like Donald Trump. That's why it seemed like he just made it up. Mm -hmm. That Belgium, It basically is like, you're so great. Uh, don't listen to what the media says. Uh, it was just like this, you know overflow of emotion that and if you know bill belichick he shows no emotion right um yeah i know i actually saw him smile in one frame of one <laughs> right. picture about right. two seconds after they won and more then, like a smirk yeah. yeah and um so you know we talked a little bit about this tribalism and uh you know we see it in our political arena too about um you know it's us against the world and you don't allow any other opinions or um you know noise to get through that wall and um you know sports is more defensive the wins and losses of course right and the um, eventual champion and right then, and then move on right and exactly. then move on because there's a there's a new a new uh, hurdle next year exactly well uh with that we got a little interview with our uh, our guest so that's gabe and uh chaz and i are here as well and uh, I think it's time for our good old segment callbacks. Co -co -co callbacks. Yeah. So uh, I think all of us have a little something to bring to the table for callbacks. So uh, let's start with you, Chaz. Well, I think um, I want to have a full-on conversation about Neil Gorsuch, or the person who is the nominee for Supreme Court Justice. So, uh, I mean, so I've read up some stuff on him, and... Uh, I didn't really know what I thought about the Supreme Court justice. I mean, I think Merrick was the other one that Obama was going to appoint, but <clears throat> got pigeonholed by the Senate. So with this one, from basically what I've heard is everyone on the right seems to like them, the ones that who care, like the pundits that I've been listening to, especially on this one podcast, um, Left, Right, Center, that I listened to. Um, two of the Republican casters on there were like, 100%, we love them. Right, but on the left, um, he might have voted against um, women's right to autonomy and abortion. He might be against um, what's the other big one? Well, yeah, I mean, he he he's not that definitive, even though Colorado is a legal marijuana state. But the few cases he dealt with in marijuana don't really show like a pro or against. So there's a lot of the marijuana advocates that think they they may want to use the. Uh, Supreme Court is a way of kind of superseding all these states that are legalizing so they can hold federal order and continue to tax and make money as it is. Yeah, schedule one there, there's no nothing in the in the Constitution that goes against drugs, though. So, like, if they're voting on it constitutionally, they have no grounds for it. It's one of those things where they say it needs to be left up to the states. Or they can say, since constitutionally it says nothing about narcotics, well, other we than that, legal. Yeah, his yeah the uh, his his views on abortion are kind of sketchy at best, and so uh, yeah we'll, well see. Well, he did do an op-ed for when there was the Hobby Lobby thing, uh, when Hobby Lobby was like we don't want to give uh, contraception to our workers as a part of their health plan, and he voted in favor of Hobby Lobby. So yeah, he, he definitely sides with the um, religion, uh, mm -hmm. the pro-religion crowd, um, and you know in that sense I think he. They say he's more like, um, you know, 
a, a constitutional originalist. Yeah, and I don't like that concept at all. <laughs> Basically, that a document that was written, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, hundreds of years ago, basically, you pay attention to the exact wording, uh, mm-hmm. even though the founders, of course, did not foresee circumstances in 2017 and how the world would look. So that's a little alarming, perhaps. Yeah, and there was something to be said uh, about how, as a uh, constitutional originalist, do you take the amendments into um, into play, and usually... I can't remember which cases they pointed to directly, but basically they said that if you're going to be a justice, you're going to look at prior cases that treat the Constitution as if the amendments have always been there. So, whatever it meant at that point in time, um, it will definitely say that... uh, Oh, actually, oh god, that made me think of something. So, we were having... um, So, definitely one of the big... Um, diametrically opposed things on a, the right and the a left. A callback within a callback. Well, no, it's not a callback within a callback. It's I, I, on occasion, I read the Constitution every now and then, and I remember the amendment that allow that allows women to vote explicitly says sex. So if there's ever anything to deal with transgendered, um, dealing with uh, the Supreme Court, they might point to it and say it explicitly said sex. And this is the only way they say someone can be a woman is via their sex. So that might conform or unconform to things like bathroom bills or just anything LGBT related. If you're an originalist, you'll look at this and says there's nothing about gender here. So constitutionally, all right. So that that's what I tangentially thought of him being a constitutional originalist. Where I'm like, but what about like my biggest issue with that is what about the things that didn't exist back then that exist now? That you might need to rule on. Yeah. Like, how do you interpret that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I basically just think that they, they should go back to the guy who they nominated last year by the Democrats, and so, um, I, I hope the Democrats find a way to suspend this guy's choice, and maybe we, maybe we can even come up with some one more middle road. Nah, the legal way that they can do it is by doing a filibuster. And but you're gonna be really hard pressed to get Trump to put something more moderate when basically Trump's goal is just to be for his constituents. And he already said that if they do filibuster, he wants them to use the nuclear option, which is to kill the filibuster entirely, which they could do. Um, now, if you want to think strategically, do you want the Democrats to force them to do that because it would look bad? Um, and I don't think a lot of even Republican senators want to kill a filibuster um, because in the future they might not have power. Yeah. <laughs> and so you'd be opening up yourself to you know a whole, whole bunch of problems down the line. Um, so would they go to bat for this guy? Um, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, if the Democrats are united, obviously there's been a lot of crap going down this week with um you know the cabinet appointees and republicans you know being dicks about it uh-huh. um so if they feel like they need to make a stand just to make a stand then they will yeah i kind of feel like with this pick and future picks giving trump's presidency or even pence's presidency of the impeachment if trump can get impeached and get out of office is definitely going to be a murky one because he could get like two or three and make a panel 
that is completely conservative. And that's the scary part, because for progressive values, then that means, like, for a generation, they're likely to be fucked. Alright, so, I think, like, it's it's dicey, because when I look at Neil... Gorish. I, Gorish. Gorish. Well, I would just call him by his first name, because if I'm going to fuck up his name so many times, I'd rather not. So, um... I don't... Like, he has the credentials... He can do the job, and he would be replacing the person. Like he would be the same ideological person that was on the the guy who died, the Sc- court Scalia. before, right? So I'm actually okay with him just being like, "Look, he has the credentials. Yes, he has these ideals against these things, but I don't think he's the one that you need to lay your sword on. I think you need to wait until there would be a majority of a single thought process in there and filibuster based on the fact that." There wouldn't be enough um, intellectual diversity on uh, on the Supreme Court once another judge either retires or passes away that you would need to have in order to have a fair and balanced uh, Supreme Court to represent all of America. But that might not happen during the Trump administration. I mean, there have been kind of hints that Anthony Kennedy has been thinking about retiring, um, and there were some people who felt that this uh, nomination was sort of a hint to him that, hey, I'm not appointing a crazy person, so maybe you should think about mm-hmm. retiring and then we'll appoint. <laughs> you know, like, um, that, you know, the Republicans want someone else, obviously, to retire. Um, you know, some of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. Know, but the Democrats are going to hold it. Obviously, the, those justices on the left are going to hold out as long as they can. Oh, yeah, Um, of course. But it's Kennedy that seems to be the key um, because he's probably the most moderate of all the right-leaning ones, and he's been the deciding vote on a lot of key issues. Oh, okay. Um, So, you know, of those justices, he would be the one that would be, if he left, um, a really crucial appointee. Because, yeah, this guy is replacing uh, Scalia, and basically you're just going back to the way it was before. Uh, last year, so yeah. he's gonna fall in line with whatever he, they said. He, I read one uh, analysis where he is eerily similar to Scalia. The other thing is he's 49 years old. Yeah, he's gonna so be he's there gonna be for around oh, yeah. for 20, 30 years. Um, so that's something else to consider. Well, before we get even more serious things, Gabe is actually also a fan of our show, maybe because we told him early on we'd have him as a guest, but <laughs> either way, uh, we, we, we did hear that you heard the last show and we did a segment that had some sports related mm-hmm. information and, uh, and, and you have a sports related, uh, topic that goes in line with that, with our sports movie discussion we had yeah, last week. Yeah, um, yeah. switching gears, uh, you know, we do have um, sort of a March Madness-style um, best sports movie bracket on the site right now, um, and we, you know, are seeding all the greatest sports movies. I, I heard you guys talk about some of your favorites. Yeah, um, like uh, you said, there was like 16, so we might as well run through them, and okay. we'll see how many of them uh, line up with uh, Chaz and mine and our opinions of sports movies. I mean, we, we do have kind of eclectic taste. Yeah. Because I think when I picked basketball movies, I went with The Air Up There. 
So um, um, that's, that's a good choice. I mean, it's a good Kevin Bacon vehicle. So that's why that's why I went with that one. Yeah. Well, um, we also divide it into different categories. So we have the best sort of sports movie brackets. Like, do you consider The Big Lebowski a sports movie? Yeah, it's a bowling movie. Okay. I'll accept it as a bowling movie. <laughs> well, we put that separately from the traditional sports movies. So these are the traditional sports movies. Um, these are, so number one, Rocky. That's the number one seed for traditional sports movies. Makes then, sense. Then you got Bad News Bears at two. Okay. Original Bad News Bears? The original. Okay. Um, then you got Hoosiers. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Uh, then you got uh, Rudy. Okay. Sandlot. Oh, we didn't even bring up the Sandlot last week. Oh yeah, we didn't. Sandlot's solid. I mean, we could like we could bring up things like Rookie of the Year oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and so. Okay, what else? Uh, Field of Dreams, uh, Friday Night Lights, which was one of Chaz's favorites. Okay, Friday uh, Night Lights. It's great. Yeah. I, I thought the the TV show actually was elevated the material even more. But uh, Raging Bull. Mighty Ducks, of course. Oh okay. yes. Are you, are you, is this is this? Wait, now I'm starting to realize this list is just to convince everybody that Ladybugs was a poor choice <laughs> for best sports movie. But go ahead, keep going. No, no, no. Uh, Slapshot. Oh, uh, there you go. That's the Ladybugs of the list. Right. Bull Durham, and then uh, a League of Their Own, and Remember the Titans. Okay. Out. Major League, of course. Yeah. Okay. So well, you got 16 movies. They're they're battling it out, and I'll, I'll let you know how that uh, bracket. Shakes out, out yeah. uh, as we get towards March Madness time. I'm glad uh, that we some we ended up making the list. I mean, I mentioned Rudy because I knew it, w- it would be on lists like that, so that's why I, st- I mentioned it. And then he right. he went with uh, Friday Night Lights, which was cool. Yeah, no, I respect all the, those yeah. choices, and it's basically personal taste and what you grew up loving too. Well, I mean, we are slightly different generations too, and you kind of watch uh, the same movie over and over on cable usually. And, build an affection for it right i mean let's be real he actually picked the six man but i did tell him to pick anything but a basketball <laughs> one so i'm pressed under that right. he went with friday night Live. so um that's i also cool. think i mentioned in any given sunday and i don't i don't know if we would king him up with that one but that's a good one this is good um, that, i remember the titans kind of feels like uh, you that's kind of more heartfelt with the remember the yeah. titans but mm-hmm. but any given sunday also has uh it, and it's a, a whole different style movie. Well, yeah, it was about the bravado that uh, football players have and the things they go through just getting prepared for every game on Sunday and just how their personal lives can affect that and how they can either cherish or be destroyed by having that much celebrity. There you go. So that's my callback throwback. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's good for callbacks. I pretty much callbacked with your guys' callbacks because uh, we didn't mention the uh, Gorsh. Um, Neil Gorshik. The old Neil Gorshish. So, Gorshmish. Gorsh- I mean, we should just come up, we just need to come up with a good nickname and then we'll just call him that every Gorshy? time. Gorshi? Call him Gorshi? What's up, Gorshi? How's Gorshi gonna rule? What's Gorshi gonna vote on this? Did Gorshi get up for this one? He's young. He's spry. He's probably the first one there. He's holding the door for Ruth. Come on in, Ruth. Alright. Uh, so now it's officially <laughs> the, the episode. Um, so have at it. I will. I will. I will allow the the floor to Chaz. I yield the floor. What what topic do you want to? Uh, well, I guess digress first. I always do Bill Watch, right? But I only have one that I found this week. But you know, I probably haven't been as diligent as I should. But this one is big because it is HR eight six one, 
to terminate the Environmental Protection Agency. Sounds, I mean, the GOP, you, you just don't give a fuck, do you? Like... <laughs> Yeah, there's no hiding anymore. No, they're they're pretty upfront about right. their intentions. But if you want to do something against it, call your uh, senators and your house representatives. This is HR 861, uh, so it is a house bill. Um, the person who brought it forth is Matt Gates. I don't know. His name is last name is spelled G A E T Z. And his direct number that you can call him at is senatorial office is two zero oh, sorry two zero two 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 five four one three six so if you feel like if you want to go yo bro what the fuck is this right and really figure out because i can understand why they're doing this because they're just like yo i don't give the fuck about your planet i'm just trying to mine some coal so i can give these dudes some jobs look at all these people who use coal look at all this coal even mike pence during um his uh debate with Tim Kaine was like, what is this war on coal, right? And I'm like, it's not really a war on coal. It's, it's trying to protect our environments, but I, I get it. I get you want your people to work, but can we find a better way? <laughs> that's basically what I have to say. I shouldn't go, work, what? <laughs> no, that's stupid. No, but we can find a better way to find people's jobs and not destroy our planet. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's been a... A topic on this show before um you know we talked about before he he actually had a uh been inaugurated about his agenda and that we needed to do our best to protect the environment because he was going to roll over it and i'm already seeing the headlines of what we were talking about national parks are coming in review of their public leases and if there are actually options if they can sell certain acres off in different states and so just like i said mm-hmm. look out folks he's it's anything you wouldn't expect is is all open business open game right now if we're uh, if we're not paying attention, so yeah, it's and uh, I saw today that he, I mean, didn't he file a motion to to make the Dakota pipeline go back to work? Yeah, in fact, Trump said um, I haven't heard any complaints about it because he shut down the comment section. Wow! <laughs> the, oh my gosh! Yeah. So yeah, he he did that. Um, he also rolled back um, a Obama bill about coal. Um, that oh, yeah. prevented companies from dumping coal into rivers. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that was alarming. Se- to... Seems seems legit. I mean, their logic for that shit is: look at this. In order for us to be able to dispose of coal in a way that is humane to the environment, that's costing us more money. So you know what? Fuck the environment. We're just gonna put it in the rivers because it's easier. More money for us. Bang bang bang. Bang bang bang. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yeah, and and the and the list continues. I mean, uh, apparently though, he's done just one shy of as many executive orders as Obama did back in 2008. Apparently, uh, he did 18 in 12 days, and Obama did 19 in 12 days. But uh, those, yeah, I mean, if we went order for order. Uh, I think we'd see a different picture being painted by these executive orders versus what oh, yeah. Obama was doing. I mean, doing. it's not the volume, it's the yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the, the audacity. Yeah, exactly. Because if you want to go for volume, uh, FDR did something about 3,700 of them during his three years in or his three terms in office. Yeah, 
Yeah, his New Deal projects were were the first of their kind to be like that. And that's what a lot of Republicans point to when they talk about uh, size of our government. They point to the FDR growth and all, yeah, that's all, true. all the period after that. But, you know. So, oh, yeah. No, I was go gonna, ahead. No, no, no I was going to say that makes sense why um, the – the, like the education is thing is on the docket too of getting taken out in the environmental protection agency maybe they feel like the government shouldn't control those things and that's and that's really what small government is about just and i still don't have a clear view on what they mean by small government or like how small is too small and at least for democrats or liberals how uh or, or sorry, i should say how well what is the small what is the biggest the government can get in order to remain small right and for the democrats how small can the government get for it to be just big enough Correct. So i think the question needs to be said on both sides and and i also think you have a president that completely contradicts that whole dichotomy because he's his whole thing is i'll fix it yeah and he's the government so he wants to intrude and in, all these companies threaten them on Twitter. Mm -hmm. No Republican would ever do that. Oh, not at all. And if a Democrat did that, they would call for impeachment because the whole point was that you're supposed to be as hands off as possible. Now, you you know, look down the line, a lot of these senators are falling in line with him and going along with what he's trying to do because they are rolling back regulations. Didn't Trump say he wants to remove for every new regulation that comes, he wants to remove two. Yeah, like their gray hairs so or something. Ar- arbitrary, like just removing regulations, finding them. Um, so he's a small government on one day, and then big government, hey, travel ban on another. Right. So, you know, it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around what ideal ideology he is besides Trumpism. That's true. Trumping. Trumping. Trumping ain't easy, but it's not necessary. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 overstepping its bounds right. currently. Um <clears throat> Yeah. Uh what's what's next on your uh wish list for this week? Well, that was just Bill Watch and that's the only one I, I have. But 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 Bill Watch. But definitely I want you guys to be on Congress.gov. Uh, if you guys see anything inflammatory, there's some gun bills up there that are up, but since I am like not privy to the gun culture, I don't know if that's uh, something that people who have an intimate uh, relationship with guns are worried about, or it'll be something that they'll benefit them. And I do make the assumption a lot of the times when I see gun bills now, given that the Republicans control the House and the Senate, that is more likely to be beneficial than it is to be non-beneficial. So, yeah, yeah, they got to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Uh, so that was Bill Watch. So uh, look at us. We're stacking segments, man. Just building just building an economy of segments here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the next thing is, uh, do we have any, like, is there anything we could even talk about that's in the current environment that's not Trump-related? This week in America... I mean, I guess we had the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. So, so let's let's take a little minute to talk about that. And okay. Then, uh, so, so you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, two days after, and the New England Patriots won. So, I, I mean, the the whole story of that game is the first overtime Super Bowl mm-hmm. of of all time. Yep. Uh, largest. The biggest four, comeback. Fourth quarter comeback. Right. Yeah. Um, biggest upset on the same on the other turn or the biggest like. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what did what did, your sports writer? Uh, what what did you come away with after that game? And kind of what the emotion of the game as you watched it, like kind of a tale of two halves in a way. Um, I'm sort of a bad sports watcher because since it's my business and since I have to work every time a game is happening, sometimes I root for the most predictable thing to happen because you could plan for it. And I could tell my writers, you know, we had three people at the Super Bowl in Houston. Um, okay, here's what you're doing. Uh, let's let's get this going. And then, you know, once the game ends, boom, 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 we have everything set up. This, you couldn't plan for anything. Everything was changing, like, by the minute. So uh, that said... There's this whole thing of, did the Patriots, and they're, of course, incredible with Brady and Belichick, they're geniuses, did they really come back, or did the Falcons collapse? Um, and that's any time there's a crazy comeback like that. Oh, yeah. You look at both sides. Um, there's definitely evidence that the Falcons blew it. Um I don't know. You Not saw scoring the game. any points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, they had the opportunity. They were on... Julio Jones made this incredible catch at the sideline to bring the Falcons within field goal range. They were already up by eight. If they kick that field goal, it's less than six minutes left. It's a two-possession game. Um, the Patriots, basically, their chance of winning was like less than 1% if that happened. Um, but Matt Ryan took a sack... Um, they shouldn't have even been passing the ball. They could have just taken a knee um, mm. and then run the clock down. So even after the game, the offensive coordinator took the heat and he said, you know, I, I kind of blew it. Uh, the Falcons should have had that game. Uh, Atlanta sports fans are very familiar with heartbreaking losses over their, uh, you know, and, and, History. Spe and speaking of that, uh, I guess uh, old uh, Washington head coach Steve Sarkeesian yeah, is yeah. now the offensive coordinator the, there. Oh, right. dear. And it <laughs> he wasn't, got the boot for that. Wow. No, he didn't get no, the no, boot. No, he got hired he by got the hired 49ers by to be their offensive coordinator Shanahan. or their head coach. Yeah. Oh, even before the game, okay. even yeah. before the game, he was uh, he accepted the position. So, oh, OK. Um, now 49ers fans are like, uh. Maybe we made a mistake <laughs> um, because it was one of the best offenses in NFL history. Mm -hmm. um, and they look great for three quarters. Of course, you, you think, okay, the Falcons look younger, faster, yeah. better. Uh, the, the Patriots look old. Brady looked a little bit, you know, behind the times. He had that pick six in the first half. Mm -hmm. Belichick was just grumbling into his headphones. They couldn't figure out the Falcons. Um, and then... You know, just a crazy uh, turnaround. I mean, even not even counting the Super Bowl, it was one of the best comebacks just in NFL history and regular season playoffs. Like it, just, yeah, um, yeah. So two the, two touchdowns with two point conversions yeah, in the end to, yeah. to seal the deal. I was like, what? That's that's some gangster shit right there. Yeah. That's like that's a stamp because that's that's called playing to win. That's four mm -hmm. times uh, Atlanta had to stop them. They had the touchdown and the two point, and mm -hmm. they were uh, unable to. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the the offensive coordinator, it definitely. I wonder because going back to like when the Seahawks lost their mm -hmm. their yeah. second showing at yeah. the well, not the second showing with uh, their current like squad and everything, and I blame that on the offensive coordinator too. Yeah. And I'm a weird sports watcher because I went to school for game design. 
So I watch sports partially for the athleticism, but partially for like the game theory and mm-hmm. to see if um all the stats that come out of it and kind of no kinda... more like the mental aspects of or the, the game strategy yeah strategy, like yeah. and I, Freakonomics did a small episode where it's like their guide to watching the Super Bowl and they had some offensive linemen and some defensive linemen on there and they talked about how they'll stand up and watch what's going on and they won't go down in their stance until like right before they're supposed to because they're wondering like where's the per like the person they need to defend against where are their feet going to be you know how they're going to move what sort of formation are they doing is it a running play is it a passing play and and that those offensive linemen have to be so in sync with each other that even if one of them isn't in sync then big plays can happen Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like cuz I feel like that's a very nerdy thing and I feel like if I mention that to like sports people they're like why why you want to talk about sports like that? Right? Oh, no. So I, I and, think it's changing. I think that attitude's changing. I think there's more math, uh data analysis in sports mm-hmm. these days than ever before. Um now you know different sports have different um you know relationship to stats and oh yeah patterns but baseball especially is all about big data oh yeah um and you know measurement and stat- you can measure everything uh football uh there is that game theory uh they don't bring a l- so much advanced analytics to the actual game but mm-hmm. even in football the last couple of years with two-point conversions they try to do a study like is it just best to go for two every time and never kick uh, yeah, an extra point my, like, uh, you, over yeah. time uh will you you know will the data back up that decision my my brother works for a uh an nfl and college football ncaa sponsored like uh an analysis company and each uh person in his field has to watch around 20 hours of game footage but it's equated to just two games. Mm-hmm. So you watch two games, but you watch them for like real slow motion, and you try to find what you're saying about like, oh, how yeah. they're set. And so then they record all that, and the analysis get kind of you you get leveled on how accurate your avail your analysis is, and that's kind of how you get given the more important games. And then the, that that later gets sold, I guess, to um, different coaches and different regional scouts and things like that who want to kind of get a, an edge on who's doing good now in the NFL, so for free agency, mm-hmm. and then who's going to be good yeah. in college coming out. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. they're doing it. But, yeah, definitely baseball. Baseball has it inherently just, I think, based on the whole farm system. It has a legit professional farm system. It does. Um, but also it all started with Bill James and the sort of, I mean, you guys all know what Moneyball is, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Lewis. Um, so, you know, finding inefficiencies in the market and then exploiting that when you don't have the resources of teams that spend millions of dollars of your the Oakland A's versus the New York Yankees. Oh, of course. And the, how Theo you, Epstein's been doing that. Exactly. Now every So it's interesting now. Everybody is doing that. So how do you get an advantage now? Like, because everybody has for lack of a better word, nerds in the front office, not just scouts being like, well, he looked really good in the batting cage. Or, right, you now know, you got sabermetrics. You have the numbers on a spreadsheet and saying, like, yeah. here are the sort of market inefficiencies, here are the undervalued prospects, but everybody now has data crunchers in the front office. So 
where do you go now? I guess it's, the, I mean, I guess it's how you evaluate that data. I yeah. think that's kind of the wizardry. Like Theo he says he has a, mm-hmm. yeah, as a, a genius system, at it. And, yeah. and then, uh, and he, and, and then they had the guy that was in St. Louis who left and he was actually like hacked, <laughs> I guess. But, yeah. um, he was kind of becoming a wizard of his own in that yeah. through his own okay. instinctual drafting. Yeah. There's some organizations that do it better than others. There are some that resist it too. And they, they end up losing every year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And and I listened to a podcast. Um, I believe it was the Axe Files that was talking to Theo Epstein. So it's with David Axelrod. Mm. It's uh recorded at the University of Chicago. But um, he was talking about how that's how the Cubs were, were when he got there. They mm. literally literally would just be like, "Who's the next home run hitter? Whose jersey is going to be hot? <laughs> it doesn't matter how many games right, we yeah. win. Let's just keep putting people in the seats." Yeah, exactly. And and so he had to basically tell him like, okay, well here we're gonna have a press release. We're gonna tell everyone we're gonna suck for a while because I'm gonna gut this team right. of all these bad picks, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm gonna put some young players in here. We're gonna get some raw talent. We're gonna kind of work with it. And you're gonna have to give us a couple years, and yeah. this is the reward. And I know? think fans are getting smarter about that. I think there is um, patience. Um, it depends on the fan base. Obviously, the Yankees still have to contend every year. But they, even those fans, I'm one of them, uh, realize now that you can't just buy your way to a title. Anymore. I just cut his mic. I'm sorry. Yeah. I heard I, I heard something about Yankees, <laughs> yeah, right. and then I had, to, I had to cut his mic. Oh, no, that's okay. Well, I will also bring in your hometown uh, 76ers. Oh, okay. Uh, are going through a similar um, Dang, thing now. It's basically drought. just tank. Because in the NBA, you can tank and get high draft picks and get someone like a LeBron. Yeah, that will change your franchise. Right. Um, they haven't gotten that guy yet. They've gotten a couple of pieces, but the guy Sam Hinky, who started that, he got let go because he he called it the process. He's like, you gotta trust the process. We're gonna stink for like five years, but then we're gonna be really good. And after a while, they're like, I I don't trust the process anymore. <laughs> like this is. I mean, too things much. take time, and if you're if you're designing your team right, like. If you look at the 90s... Uh, Bulls? The Bulls, yeah. You know, yeah, Michael Jordan was the all-star, but without Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman... And, Steve and, Kerr later. Right, right yeah. Like, yeah. if he didn't have that support, he wouldn't have won, and it's about team synergy, right? Even though we, the fans, get off on, like, the big star players. Uh, the Same thing with the Miami Heat, because they had, what, like... Was it Chris Bosh? Um... LeBron James the, and... The Mighty Three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, if you don't have that team synergy, you ain't going to win games. Yeah. Right? And the Lakers did it for a little bit with just Kobe and Shaq, but, I mean, they you still need that team synergy, and the right coach knows how to take the right players, create that team synergy, and come up with a variable strategy for each team you're going to go against. Yeah. And you could almost say they did it with Shaq because Kobe sucked for the first two seasons, man, mm-hmm. including the one of their early rings. Like he kind of was just like a little bit of a, a, a helper. That's that's why when they left, it took a while for him to get that yeah. franchise back yeah. together. Oh yeah. oh yeah. But Kobe's cool. Kobe got his rings. <laughs> he got his rings. He got a swerve on. He, you know, he Kobe, did. you dog. I, I and give Kirby, it. you bitch. I mean, Kirby. Kobe, your bitch ass ain't from Philly either. You from Lower Marion. Remember that. I'm just like he. He gave himself uh, his his own like goodbye season last year. Like he had a whole farewell season. He went to places that have hated him. He did. 
and they would yes. they would like they would seriously applaud. Yeah. Oh god, oh god, I'm so he sorry. Did, he gave himself his own farewell season. Yeah. Uh, he did have <laughs> so fucking pretentious. <laughs> he did have a pretty epic last game though. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They scored like 60 points and, yeah. uh, but they basically are just like, yeah, just shoot it. Just shoot, just shoot it. it. Even the Jazz, yeah. they were playing the Jazz at the time. It was like last game of the season yeah like, it was actually we're not gonna defend you yeah just, like just just to shoot a kobe we don't need to see your bitch ass anymore <laughs> like fuck you that's funny yeah. we're Jacko. uh well uh well that was good sports talk man i like that look at that we had like a common theme thing that wasn't too heavy and we didn't even have to say that one five letter word so mm-hmm. what five letter word is that? But, yeah, yeah you know give you guys a little so, more spite yeah uh, our favorite our favorite new friend Trump. Oh. Yeah. See, oh. now I said it. No, that's fine. Okay. He is the president. He doesn't have to be our president, but he is the president. Alright, well, uh, what was, what else is, uh, how are you living? How else do you, what do you got? You, what you, else we got? We got, we definitely, we can talk about, uh, Miss Betsy DeVos and her, uh, oh, the, yeah, the, her confirmation today as the Secretary of Education. Yay. She's never been to public school, never sent her kids to public school. Apparently she mentored once in a public school. <laughs> no, I'm not good enough. Which is like, I'm like, did you read a <coughs> book to some kids in a library of a public school like an hour ago before this meeting? <laughs> like, she also it. wants to arm uh, teachers with guns just oh. in case of grizzly bears. Don't forget that. Yeah, because she used one anecdotal thing that said, well, in the case of this one place, they might need it for uh, grizzlies. And she's so out of touch. So out of touch that she said this directly to uh, the senator um, from the state of the Newtown Massacre. That's how out of touch she is. Wow. And that's why it was so important to him to be like, can you say for sure should guns be in schools? And she's like, well, I don't know. What about grizzly bears? And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, come you... to Connecticut and say that. Exactly, said, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. Right. But then all the – see, all the Republicans I kind of think are in a hive mind right now. And they're just like, we are Republicans. We will vote together. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. Right? So – yeah, McCain actually criticized her. Seemed to be one of her harshest critics on the on the right, and he voted for for yes. Seriously? The yeah. The, there was only two Republicans that voted no: Collins from Alaska, uh, Alaska, and Murkowski from Maine. Uh, yeah, and uh, or it might be reversed on Collins from Maine, Murkowski from Alaska. <laughs> but um, they're the only ones who are the no votes. There were some. Oh, and your uh, hometown uh, senator Toomey from Pennsylvania oh. was pressured uh, to vote no, but uh, Davos gave him about a hundred grand. Uh, oh, money talks, funds. bullshit. Walks. In fact, there's a whole list of uh, people she gave campaign donations to her foundation or whatever. She's a billionaire, mm-hmm. and. All the senators who voted yes were on it, of course. Of course. Uh, and it ranged from eight thousand dollars to up to one hundred twenty thousand dollars or something. So. So you're trying to tell talks, me that it's pay for Mr. play. Mr. Voss is a cheap bitch, then. <laughs> yeah, like she did. She's like, well, this guy can be bought for eight thousand. I'll give him eight thousand. Um, but yeah, the whole criticism of you know that we heard from Clinton was that you know she would buy votes, she would put big money into politics and now we're seeing that it doesn't matter 
Republicans oh, oh, yeah. do the same thing. In oh, yeah, they all zone. do. And there's no draining of a swamp. There's a billionaire now in, chub, in charge of our school system. Now, I shall say, I, I want to ask you guys, too. Okay. I am a product of the public school system of New, North New Jersey. Did you guys go to public school? I, I did, all 13 years. In fact, I did served all of my time in one location. It was a K-12 through campus. So oh, wow. I I just switched wow. I switched buildings every five six years, <laughs> um and we were surrounded by cow fields and so we didn't run a lot of sports out of our place of origin because I don't know it's kind of out in the boondocks but uh okay. we did run track and field events and some soccer games there and I don't know if you know much about cow fields but they don't exactly <laughs> smell great so we always call that the home field advantage. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went through uh, public school, you know, just using that, those 80s and 90s public dollars for me to be able to have free education. You right. know? And, and Chaz? And... So I am a weirdo, and during my actual 13 years of school, I have gone to all four types of school you can go to in America. So you are the expert here. I, I have gone, well, so kind of. I went to a parochial school for two years, but only for pre-K and kindergarten. Then my dad, he worked at a private school called William Penn Charter School. It was started by William Penn, the founder of Philadelphia. Uh, called, I think, and he's a Quaker religious society of friends. I went there from kindergarten again because I went to a parochial school, and it was basically said that I did not have um, – Enough of the education to be able to keep up with the rigor. I needed to take kindergarten again. Of all the grades, you to repeated take again, kindergarten. I repeated <laughs> kindergarten. I know. I know. So you're like, Chaz isn't napping well. Uh, I feel like you need to work on. <laughs> no, it. actually. So for kindergarten there, you had to be able to. So what they did was a lot of memory games. So they would have this um these blocks oh, that man, they would put up, serious. right? <laughs> and they would say, I'm going to build a shape. You need to recreate the shape for me. So then. I would go there and I recreated the shape, and they're like, "Oh, okay." He's a genius, right? No, he's not, a genius. Not genius, right? But he's a genius. <laughs> but definitely, so I don't remember a whole lot of um, my Catholic school. I remember we had religious classes, but it was pre-K and it was kindergarten. Much of the kindergarten stuff was just playing and doing stuff of that sort. Uh, but so the and I went to a charter school, but I went to the charter school for like a month. Because I thought I didn't like my high school, but then I was like, I don't like this place either. So I went back to the high school I was at before. Mm -hmm. But where I can make the really big comparisons from is uh, my private school and the public school I went to. Mm -hmm. So if you're from Philadelphia, I went to William Penn Charter School for kindergarten to seventh grade. Left at the end of seventh grade because I felt like I wasn't getting along with the student. I felt too much like I was an ostracized and an outcast for being nerdy and such. So... I wanted to change spaces and go somewhere else, and so I went to public school. I went to Thomas Mifflin, which is in East Falls, and then I went to Rock, Roxboro High School in the Roxboro section of Philadelphia. And the one biggest thing that I've noticed between the private school and the public school was the amount of rigor in academia they give you. Okay. It's so bad that the amount of rigor that I got in 5th, 6th, and 7th grade at a private school was enough for me to basically slack off in 8th, ninth, and 10th grade of public school. Okay. Yeah. That's got a little fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, eye-opening. And so now there's going to be discussion, you know, now that 
she's confirmed um, whether she's going to shift the whole country into voucher programs and getting more kids into charter schools and sort of abandoning public school system. Now, I'm going to be a little biased. I am the son of two public school teachers, went to public school my whole life like you did. Yeah. Um, and I took out student loans to go to college. I had to. And, you know, Davos said she's never taken out a loan. She knows someone who did. Like, so she's in charge of the federal loan system. I had to take out federal loans to go to college. I'm a little uh, troubled by this. Now, yeah. I don't have a kid, so I can't really say, you know, maybe I don't have a horse in the fight. <laughs> That's mixing metaphors. But, um, <laughs> um <laughs> it's a dog in the fight, but that's also that's a really dark metaphor. I, <laughs> yes, so I'm gonna so, go yeah. horse fighting because <laughs> yeah. I think you that's more humane. It's more majestic. Yeah, it's more. You don't, you don't they... have a Pokemon in the battle at the Ho- moment. Yeah. <laughs> horse fights are sh- sanctioned, you know, because they they have like appropriate rules. And right, everything. exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. There's rounds. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about dog fighting. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, we got off of football. I have two dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we had the puppy bull guys. So yeah, every, everyone's yeah. in love with dogs. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm definitely interested in your opinion, Chaz, about this, and you know, talking about what you're, what you're concerned about with Davos, or what you're hearing, and you know, yeah. arguments for and against. I, I feel like even on both sides of the aisle, even the right, even people who voted for Trump that I'm seeing, and you know, my circle. Like, man, this does not sound like a great idea because she's not qualified. Yeah. (laughs) I'm definitely seeing – well, so on talk radio, they kind of feel like – so the talk radio people like Laura Ingram, she's just saying, well, why are you guys holding this up? I mean, come on. Like, basically, I feel like people on kind of the populist right – feel like the hearings for people to get confirmed for their seats on the cabinet are um, a courtesy or something. Like, right. like they shouldn't be taken seriously. Right. So the fact that Democrats were taking this seriously was always a point of criticism for them. And th- the way they criticized it would be, I'm going to say, hey, uh, why is Bernie Sanders talking about her billions of dollars? That's not important to this, right? And, like, it is, though. It'll. It, you're asking questions to see how she will govern, and the fact that she can't give you a clear answer about um, accountability versus growth um, when it comes to tracking uh, the development of learning in your students tells me that she's not qualified, and that alone should have told everyone that she was not qualified, and it should have been a hundred to one that you do not get to be on the Department of Education. And anything of that sort, you do not get to be the cabinet member for that. Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to make an informed decision when you don't know what the fuck is going on? Right? Like, the fact that she just gave you money, so you're like, I throw logic out the window, is fucking bullshit. Yeah. So. Can't argue with that. So, um, we've had uh, six Republican secretaries of education. We've had five Democrats, because it's only been 11 of them since its inception. Uh, The first took office in 1979. And that was Shirley Hubstedler from California, and she was a Democrat selected by Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see where the opposition started was then in the 80s under the Ronald Reagan administration, but they never did try to dissolve it then. They went ahead and appointed um, Republican uh, leaders, 
and it went all the way through until um, John King Jr. was selected by Barack Obama, and then we had an acting one, um, Phil Rosenfeld, who's currently serving until today. So um, Betsy DeVos took over today. But yeah, um, I mean, if, I guess in that sense, what I'm kind of saying is it's it's one of the newer programs. So if it's a department they're going to shut down, it's kind of one of the more expected ones. Like you start with what's the newest. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but and uh, I, if you start with the newest, then you get rid of Homeland Security. I feel you there. I mean, if you're going by that logic, right. but they're not going to get rid of Homeland Security. They need five thousand more ICE agents. Sorry, I went on a tangent. But <laughs> But yeah, I don't know if they'll get point. rid of the department. I think they'll try to, you know, my concern and maybe other people's concerns are, you know, she seems to be I guess more I'm, geared towards charter schools, uh, yeah. Jesus schools. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm just basically quoting those Republican yeah. debates earlier this year. When, oh, yeah. When they were. Yeah. Well, the only hope and I've heard that and I know this from you know, experience with my parents and you know my experience in public schools too a lot of decisions are made on the local level so there's i heard over 400 board of education openings this year oh okay. so if people are listening they have kids they want to get involved with their board of education run for those positions for yeah those positions. Please, you know, like, if you can run for office please run for office and in, yeah in those local offices and one of the, the the if you have kids one of the easiest to start with for your community is the board of education like or yeah. the, for the different boards in school districts right. for sure so hopefully this will light a fire under people and oh uh, yeah so those there are a lot of decisions made on the local level when it comes to education and schools um, there's a lot of power given to the individual districts from textbooks to funding to whatever. So, you know, Betsy Davos can enact certain policies and she can mm -hmm. affect, you know, funds that go to certain, you know, areas and stuff. But the actual decisions and how education is implemented happens at the local level. Yeah. And I would definitely, so I, I don't know much about the voucher program, but I guess just going back from my personal experience with the amount of rigor that I got at a uh, Penn Charter versus the amount of rigor that I got at Roxborough High School. Um, since we're getting to a point where a lot of the jobs that we're creating in the future are going to be more intellectual, I think schools need to be a lot more rigorous. But I think at the same time, we do have to think about the people who just plain aren't good at school and like not have them like skate through, not because of Bush's no child left behind bullshit. Right. <laughs> but um, I mean, th yeah, there there is something to say about vocational stuff and getting people that because because there are a lot of skilled people who never really uh went to college, you know, and they've they've actually they run some of our small businesses and even our larger businesses. Yeah. And and so yeah, I I, I see kind of what you're saying. Like mm -hmm. they, we don't want it to to funnel people through a system that people aren't fitting into that that and i and i do think there's definitely need for reform in education so yeah you know i i don't know what direction the reform is coming with these guys but it sounds like from what you're saying it's going to be in the form of charter schools and uh i i never went to one like i said i never i don't even know if i had the option there's probably one private school in my district well that's the thing about practicality so trump got all these people from rural areas right yeah and these you know sort of 
poor neighborhoods or white working class. Oh, How many yeah. charter schools are there? Like, yeah. so, you know, I, it would be interesting to see if public schools sort of go down the toilet over the next three, four years, mm. um, whether these people who voted for Trump are like, you know, what the, what the hell? Like, I thought you were going to improve the education system. Yeah. Um, there's also been a lot of discussion about Common Core and people on the right and the left kind of dislike that. Yeah, but I've never heard a really an intelligent argument as to why they hate it. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's just basically they hate it because it's different and it's not like how we did it. Right? <laughs> and so. Well, a lot of people think the standards are sort of arbitrary and mm-hmm. so teachers just teach basically to have a student pass a test rather than to retain knowledge. Oh, right. okay, that's um, shitty. So that's what I think people object to, that, okay, it, there's all these standardized tests. Just teach the skills that will get them by those tests to, you know, so your school gets a high grade and so you get federal funding. Uh, yeah, a, um, a test score doth not make a good teacher. Right, exactly. Yeah. You can teach anybody, be like, yeah, just just uh, put this down is... a bunch of Cs because most of the answers are going to be Cs on that. Right. Or whatever, like, yeah. However you want to game the system. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my dad, my mom ran to this even, you know, way back when as trying to teach to certain standards rather just let the teachers kind of build the curriculum themselves. Obviously, if they went through that education, which you need a master's degree. Uh, to yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you should know pretty well how to educate your students. I mean, there are bad teachers like any other vocation. Yeah. Um, but most teachers know the best way to teach students. I'll always stick up for teachers. But, oh, yeah. Uh, hey. I know a bunch of teachers, and they're <laughs> awesome. I also How you living is pro-teacher. <laughs> right. I also want to touch on something. So one of my friends, uh, um, when I was at the football or watching a football game on Sunday, was speaking, uh, or a bunch of us were speaking about how there was, like, AB courses and uh, those courses that are supposed to take, like, they're like, you're smarter than the other kids. So we're going to put you in these uh, genius courses. These, like, or, accelerated or, yeah. Accelerated learning courses and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But and they made the point of how much they're very much just based on, like, math and science, basically. Right. And and I was just thinking of, I, was, I forget where I was watching it, but there's a guy named uh, Howard Gardner, and he proposed a model called the multiple theory, or the theory of multiple intelligences. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of this before, and it would be definitely interesting if schools started to say, okay, you might not be good at doing math and science things, but you might be good at something else. Right. So the first one you have is musical, rhythmic, and harmonic. And we know we're losing our school art programs because, you know, they're not important as our sports programs, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) Friday Night Lights, baby. Right. Number two is visual spatial, so, you know, things you need for being an architect or, you know, 3D modeler or building bridges, well, building bridges as an architect. Yeah. And Civil engineer as well, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, for three is verbal linguistic, so people who are good wordsmith, people who understand the structure of not only the English language but other languages and how to use it to effectively communicate is something that definitely is one of the bigger things you can get, and people pride themselves on being English majors. Right, but I don't know. Given our like currently like technology society, where there is a a great place for um English majors, especially since there's like I, I was bro- an English major. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being an English major. He's saying, in, but given well, and the way kids are using language today, right. how they're they're parsing it and cutting it up. Yeah, and it's like the linguistics of English is 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 almost an outdated. Well, thing. you know, you just look at Donald Trump. He's massacred the English yeah, kind of language. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I I think sad. He can just say sad, and he now. misspells things. And yeah. even oh, the yeah. White House misspells their memos. Like, oh my god! They're just spelling errors throughout. So you're right. There might not be mm-hmm. use for an English major. Now, what was it? You said there's four. Um, there's I think seven total, but there's some. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page at the moment. Next one is logical mathematical, and that's where a lot of our jobs are right now. That's the biggest business. That's the biggest intellectual property we let go. We are some app making motherfuckers in yeah. America. All right, yeah. <laughs> and. For five, it's bodily kinesthetic, so, you know, that's what you get when you do parkour, or when you're a snowboarder, or when you play football, or anything that deals with the physicality of your body and understanding how to intelligently use it to get to your goal of what you're doing. A lot of the people on uh, American Ninja Warrior have that. Yep. And then there's interpersonal, which is how you are with people, and then intrapersonal, which is how you are about yourself. Whoa. Yeah, right? That's some deep. Yeah, like, if you know your own, like, if you're intelligent about your own, like, cognitive biases or how you're going to react to certain triggers or just understanding how your mind functions in general, you might have a better quality of life. I don't know. So you feel like this system, again, it's not been implemented in any sort of formal way, but could be uh, a roadmap if, you know, systems are wanted to explore something different than say the common core which is a little more regimented and Mm -hmm. sometimes more arbitrary this seems to give people more wiggle room to be like okay here's like seven categories and you can kind of decide you know how people are proficient yeah and whatever so all right that's interesting and then there there's two more there's naturalistic which I think is just understanding how, like... Natural Mystic, the Bob Marley team? <laughs> no, no, Naturalistic. Oh, okay. Um, just, just understanding how nature works, you know, it, like, you can understand what this plant is, or you can understand why the stream flows a certain way and how to use that to your advantage. You right. probably found a lot of that when they were farming on the Nile Riverbed, and they're like, oh, we can use this for this reason. And yeah. the last one is Existential, and... I guess that just deals with a lot of philosophical concepts, understanding that everything that humans do is a construct and how that construct can permeate one's life on the moment to moment, short term and long term of things. So, yeah, that's I mean, it's an interesting list of uh, characteristics um, to evaluate. Um, Do you have any other topics, my friend? Before I run, or if you have a main topic you'd like to bring up, I have a game we can play. Um, I. Or do you want to tell me your serious topic first? Um, I mean, the only other one um, that Gabe suggested is talking about like the fake news in a way, the Bowling Green massacre. Oh yeah. Um, things of that nature, because I mean, so honestly, like the fact that she had to make up Kellyanne Conway. Or Kelly and Con person, as some people keep saying. She's got Con in the name. Right? Um, the fact that she needed to make up a fictitious event that happened, and to call it a massacre, yeah. and, and then to say it wasn't reported by the media, like, 
like the right ate that up. Like when I deal with people on the right, they're always telling me, "Don't believe what the media tells you," and I'm like, "I'm like what?" Yeah. I mean, okay, show me proof as to why, and I'll believe you. But right now, I don't think right now the media makes some mistakes. But I also know that the media is in one part a monolith, but also can be um, put on a pedestal as that monolith when one person makes a mistake. Yeah. And so I never look at CNN as just like if one person of intern at CNN re, uh, relays the wrong information to a person, someone reports on it. CNN was fake. Like no, like one person there made a mistake, right? And the fact that he's just he's basically doing what the Nazis did and saying like the media is propaganda and you need to stop and people are eating it up is dangerous. Yeah. As you said uh, a few episodes ago, fascism 101, man. Yeah. You, you declare the media uh, bad and that it's biased, and then you say that you have the answers in the media, and you just replace it with made-up lies. Yeah, I, I had um, some friends, family members on the right, and they they have the same talking points, basically. They regurgitate exactly what you're saying, and they say, I don't watch the news, I don't read anything now. Um, I basically just get my information from the government, like whatever Donald Trump and the administration says, they're like, well, you know, talk, then we talk amongst ourselves and decide, you know, what's kind of mm -hmm. right and wrong. I'm like, you can't do that. You need some sort of neutral party. You mm -hmm. need some sort of, the media is the checks and balance because there is no checks and balances right now in government because right. he has Congress and they'll go with whatever he says. You need some resistance uh, beyond just protests um, yeah. of people holding their feet to the fire and when they lie to your face saying it's a lie. There's also been this kind of discussion about should the New York Times, should all these other outlets use the word lie when they talk about Kellyanne Conway, Trump, when they give a statement that's clearly false. Um, there's sort of this journalistic standard that to say the word lie is to imply motive. It just means you intentionally oh, deceived. Okay. So as a journalist, and you know, I know people who worked with the Times. I've known people who worked for Fox News. You can't often say lie because you don't know. Maybe they got bad information. Maybe they really believe that. I, I had a quote on Facebook calling back Seinfeld to George Costanza when he was training Jerry Seinfeld how to beat the lie detector oh, Remember yeah. that episode. He says, Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> no, that's true. That's <laughs> how the so lie detector gets that you. just sums up the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. right. In fact, Sean Spicer said when asked, does Trump, you know, really... What what's up with this three million illegal voters thing? That's clearly false by any sort of uh, stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Sean Spicer didn't even like attempt to defend it. He was just like, "Well, that's what Donald Trump believes." Yeah, seriously, yeah. that was his defense. Yeah, that it was true because he believed it. Yeah, and that is this administration. They're like, "Well, we believe something, and anything that is against that belief is fake news." Oh, okay, now I see why the right loves them so much. They reinforce uh, their yeah. belief system. 
I mean, it's not oh, yeah. that a mystery. Right. It's not that mysterious. It's pretty simple. Um, they even said, as long as the New York Times keeps attacking the president, they'll keep calling them fake news. Right. And that is, that's some hella fucking blackmail right there. Right. Right. Like, we, we're in the news. We report on the facts. Fuck your facts. Fake news. Like, really? Like, like that's your logic? I mean, I get the logic, and I get why you think it's going to work, but they're not going to stop being fake news, right? They, they're they, not going to stop. And Because in his interview, he was like, look at uh, Fox News. Fox News loves you. I'm like, yeah, because they're, they're, they're the Republican codifiers. And I guess just to touch on the news in general, what I basically have noticed on both sides, because I've kind of tried to make my work day just be listening in the morning, listening to conservative stuff. Yeah. And in the um in the afternoon, listen to a liberal stuff. And while I agree with the liberal stuff more, it, it it there's no intellectual discourse on either side. It's just these are our values. These are the things that are going against our values right now. Let's criticize anybody who doesn't have our values. Those people are fucked up, right? Yeah, good job, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> that's all. That's what it like. That's what it sums up to. And I'm like, dude, I'm in the center. And I'm finding, like, no common ground, no intellectual discourse, no sort of just let's talk about it. Let, let's let not just discuss things, but let's get down to the brass tacks of why you feel the way you feel. Right. All right? Yeah. Let's get down to the brass tacks of what are really the problems for us. Because anytime I hear, like, the extreme, the neo-Nazis or the quote-unquote alt-right speak about how they really hate free speech and identity, uh, identity politics, right? Right. Yeah, that's what they say we did, Right. Yeah, because they're saying, like, oh, no, no, you say we have privilege because we're white. And I'm having conversations with people online who are, like, blue dog Democrats or just the sort of people who see privilege as money and wealth. So when you say, yeah, no, you have privilege, or when you say you have white privilege, they don't hear that. They hear you have privilege, right? And they're taking it as a... Oh, you have burr, money and power. And they're like, no, I don't. I live in bumfuck nowhere. I am wondering how I'm going to pay my bills next week. Stop fucking telling me I have privilege because I don't. And I'm like, and I keep trying to say, no, we don't mean you don't have your connotation of privilege. The way we're using it is the more denotative way where it's saying like, no, you have something that only a select group of people have and it's unique to you. And it deals with the fact of how people in America treat people on average as a base based on your, your skin color, right? That's what we mean by white privilege, right? has nothing to do with how much fucking money you have, right? We understand that economic privilege is a thing. And I want to talk to people about how we can bring back economic prosperity to middle America. Yeah. But don't act like us bringing back economic prosperity to middle America allows you to say you're not fucking racist, right? Like, that's stupid. Right. That, that, is, that logic makes no sense. Yeah. Right? Those are two separate concepts that need to be dealt with at the same time and two things that two people are dealing with. And that is, like, my biggest frustration with talking to anybody who takes a real big pride in being blue-collar is, like, I get the simplicity. I get where you're coming from, but you're definitely not trying to understand my view when you do that. You're definitely strawmanning something so hard that you don't even want to come to a common understanding. You just want to be stuck on the fact that I don't got money. Stop saying I do. Kaboom. And uh, with that, I'm going to transition to a fun little list game because we always pick a little list. Usually we try to rank things. We try to talk about things that are oh, yeah. simpler, easier from 
previous times. So we've got uh, a guy who's in the sports media, so I would like to take advantage of that. And we've already kind of hit on a lot of these, so let's kind of narrow it still, though. And what's your favorite sports comedy movie? Like, specifically a comedy. So erase the Remember the Titans. Right, yeah. If you got, you've got, because you mentioned Slapshot on that list. I did. Uh, I love Bull Durham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack uh, is solid. Oh, that's a good one. I'll put Kingpin up there because we're talking about bowling movies. Yeah. Um, you know, Mighty Ducks, I guess you could say was a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it had the narrative of kind of the inspirational sports movie. Hero's Tale, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Underdogs overcoming odds and but, such. But, but funny. I would almost even argue Mighty Ducks 2 had more comedic oh, flavor. Interesting. Okay. Because they had uh, Kenan Thompson and he had that oh. special, uh, that special hit he did. Right. So there was a whole thing where he'd be like, blah, blah, blah. And he'd like put the, put the, put the puck on its side. You hit it. Oh man. Okay, this is where I reveal that I never saw my new ducks too. Oh okay. Uh, a, yeah, oh wow. Um, but it's a solid maybe one. It's, it should be on the list. Happy Gilmore. Okay. Oh I, yeah, Happy Gilmore. I did like Happy Gilmore. I don't know if it holds up or I have to rewatch it to see. You know, when I was younger, I thought it was hilarious, but maybe not. Still? I don't know if Adam Sandler really ages well in, uh, in terms of comedy. Classic, maybe it does. I don't know. Classic you know. baseball major league. Yeah, I'd say Major League is one of my favorites. Of all it, time. it holds yeah. up. I, I watch it. It's still kind of. It's still funny. Yeah. Young Charlie Sheen. No young, question. You know, uh, Willie Mays Hayes. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid. Yeah. Um, Can we go with uh, non-traditional sports? Okay, well, I would have two. Yeah, one would be Talladega Nights. Oh yeah. The story Ta- of Ricky Bobby. That is a hundred percent a sports movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they cover it on ESPN, it's a sports movie. Yeah. But my second one is Dodgeball. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a sports movie as well. We, we put it on the non-traditional sports movie bracket. Okay. We have Dodgeball and Talladega. And the winner of that bracket ended up being Caddyshack. Oh, nice. Uh, because people love that movie. It just I think it's older, and like I think people you know from that generation oh, really yeah. like, stick to it. My previous pick from last week, Ladybugs, is yeah. still a comedy vehicle. Yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings was That's on the right. non-traditional yes. bracket. It yeah. went, I think, to the second round. Um, I just yeah, ran into some heavy hitters. Um, and then here's kind of an out-of-left-field one that we all forget, but from the minds of geniuses. Out of basketball? There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. You got it. Basketball. Nice. Yeah, Park we were guys. simpatico. Yeah. Right. That's what that's what eight hours of recorded conversations <laughs> will do to you and your friend. Yes. If you guys are trying to learn more about your friends, just record your conversations that's true. weekly, and you'll you'll learn everything. You'll get you'll get on point. Well, guys, um, that's that kind of brings us to the uh, the end of the show. Um, you you like to leave everyone inspired inspired by your inspirational quotes and and mantras. Chaz, do you have anything to to lead the people forward? Well, I always have the Grow Your Brain segment, um, and I'm trying to think of uh, what would be... So, I just started listening to Talk Nerdy uh, with Cara Santamaria, who's really big about being... She's a science communicator, and she has her own podcast, which is called Talk Nerdy, and she has one-on-one conversations with interesting people that you can listen to. So, I would suggest that you go listen to her. If you're really into science and stuff like I am, or just listen to her to get like a different viewpoint on things, I'm gonna keep reminding you guys to keep listening to Indivisible on uh in WNYC for the first 100 days, just so you can get kind of what the other side is feeling, because they definitely give me good insight on 
at least the mindset on how people are reacting to Trump and why people are supporting it and why they really feel like parts of their country are being taken away from them. And other than that, just watch all the other stuff I told you guys to watch too. And yeah. Uh yeah, you can. Uh, what what do we got from you, Gabe? Where where was the website? Where can people read your uh, your articles? Yeah, we uh, it's sportsonearth.com, um, and we have you know stuff every day. We have uh, we have a couple of podcasts ourselves. Um, one is uh, called Walk It Off, and there are three young ladies who uh, talk sports and kind of talk about the new trends and. And just you know, go through um, daily topics, uh, and then we have Will Leach is one of our senior writers, and he does a podcast as well, just called the Will Leach Experience, and oh, nice. he has uh, interviews sometimes with athletes and you know influencers, mm-hmm. and sometimes just talking to his friends, and you know they they just talk sports. Um, I also I'll plug a non employee uh, employer, uh, five thirty eight. I know you guys know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I love 538. Nate Silver. So they, you know, they do sports well. They do politics well. Um, I mean, ESPN owns them now. Um, and I don't know if you have a preferred podcast from them. There's one called What's the Point, I think, um, where they talk a lot about data. And most of their election time podcasts are obviously popular but now that we're not in really election cycle you should still check them out yeah um keeping you abreast of all these executive orders oh yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and they they usually have sort of a neutral point of view in terms of okay let's just talk about the numbers let's talk about the polls what are people really thinking um and i i kind of respect that and uh, Mm -hmm. so i'll plug them because that's where i go every day oh yeah of course yeah, you can find me at Seatown Mayor. That's S E A T O W N M A Y O R, because I'm your local municipality by the Sea Helper. I will uh, get elected one day. Just, just give me a cabana by the ocean. You can run for city council. We'll do it. Let's do yeah, it. School board. Let's do it. Let's do school board. You know, I'll horse ad- in the fight. I'll adopt a kid. Yeah. Go to the school board. I got this. Uh, and uh, you can always follow Chaz at C R S I I. Yep, and remember, tag that hashtag BillWatch. BillWatch. For... <laughs> BillWatch. So if you want me to put some bills that you're concerned about, there's a lot of them, though, because they're mm. just constantly putting bills, and most bills don't get to the House floor. So definitely just pointing out ones that I want you guys to call about before they get to the House floor, because if they get to the House floor, they're most likely going to pass. Yeah, at this point. Right, because of the Republicans. So yeah. Hey, thanks again, Gabe, for coming into our spot. Uh, we'll get the helicopter to get you right, home. Nice. Um, appreciate you, Chaz. Good to good to find out how you're living. Yeah, good to see how you're living too. You guys have a good one. We'll see you guys next week. Indeed. Peace. Take care.